Welcome to Chosen Conversation. This is a gathering of four friends who love talking about the Chosen series. And we have been talking about season two for several weeks now. This will be our last episode about season two. And in this episode, we want to concentrate on the story of Jesse and Simon and the experience of the Feast of Tabernacles by the disciples in the context of what happens between Jesse and Simon. Two things are really important in this season to understand, particularly this episode four. One is the Feast of Tabernacles, and the other is who are these zealots? Now, the Feast of Tabernacles is the time in Israel, once a year, when people would build booths, basically tents or living spaces that are temporary in nature. They would live in those spaces and eat in those spaces and spend seven days together as family or friends to remember the wilderness wandering, to remember a time when Israel didn't have a home when Israel lived as a nomad in the, in the wilderness. And so the Feast of Tabernacles was that moment when Israel would gather to remember. And they remembered in hope of a future reality, a moment when the kingdom of God would fill the earth and that they would have a more permanent place around the table, a permanent place upon the earth. And so the Feast of Tabernacles looks back, but it also looks forward. And those are important themes to remember as we talk about episode four of season two. Yeah, and I think, John Mark, the other thing that you mentioned there was the zealots. And I don't know about you guys, but I, there was a long time where I was really kind of confused about how to interpret uh, those feelings from those that, that group of people, you know, they're believers. Uh, they know the Old Testament text well or what they would have considered their Bible, the Hebrew Bible. Um, and yet they saw violence as being the way to sort of force the hand of God, if you will, to inaugurate the kingdom because they believed that the Messiah would come to liberate them from the Roman rule and to establish the kingdom that the Messiah would then rule on earth. And um, therefore, we can say that we might be able to somewhat um, uh, sympathize with them, especially if any of us or anybody listening has military in their family. I mean, they're, they're, there's this idea that they're kind of like the, the religious Navy SEALs. You know, they're, they're the highly trained individuals that the episode showed us that Jesse goes to a, a, a training session and a and a procedure that he goes through in order to come out the other side of being qualified to do these zealot missions. And then he gets assigned a zealot mission that through violence will hopefully bring about peace, as strange as that sounds now to us. Um, and he's also told at the time that he goes through that, when he takes this assignment and they give him the assignment, he better complete it, otherwise he doesn't even return. So these are these are people that their that their faith and their belief has maybe if I can if you guys agree been distorted a little bit um, so much so that you either go by the political and the 
militant type philosophy, or you're even cut off from them. So, you know, what are your thoughts about that? It's your analogy is very interesting because you're right. I mean, we know a lot about the Pharisees, we know about the Sadducees, we know about the scribes, and we know their roles, but we don't know much about the zealots and how they are, like you're saying, like you're saying, very devoted believers. They know their Hebrew Bible, but they take it in a way where it's not about studying, it's about doing. And what we're doing is cleaning the city, and we're cleaning it the best way we can, and that's by murdering others that are oppressing us. And so that, to me, it's it's a pretty weird and interesting way of how you can have the same scripture and yet perceive it a different way in the way you believe in and stick to it. You know, David, you just said something I'm really glad you mentioned. You mentioned the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that brings up another term for the Zealots is the fourth philosophy, the fourth group. You've got the Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, and the Zealots. And so, yes, you're right. This is kind of the action arm of the cast of characters we're used to reading about in the Bible. Um, but they like the seals, they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. You only encounter them when you've been targeted for one of these missions. And so we have Simon who becomes the zealot and Jesse, his brother. And those two stories uh, are the backbone of the episode. So where does Jesse become, Jesse uh, becomes crippled or paralyzed and Simon becomes a zealot. So Haley, how did, tell us the story of Jesse a little bit. Absolutely. Um, we'll start off by saying this is one of my most touching uh, episodes of this really stood out to me as being a very beautiful story. Um, so it starts off um, with Jesse in his childhood. Um, and then we are introduced to Simon as well, his younger brother. Um, we see Jesse running, playing like a normal child, maybe 10 years old. Um, and he's just simply climbing a tree one day and the tree branch breaks and we see him tragically fall out of the tree. And then we see his father running, holding him in his arms. Um, and we sadly find out that he has had a very traumatic injury. Um, to me, it looks like he may be paralyzed from the waist down. Um, and that's going to change the course of his entire life. Um, what's difficult is, you know, back in those times, medical care treatments were not as effective as they are today. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we hear more about the future of Jesse. Um, but we see him um, meeting with doctors. Um, we see him trying to get healing, but the desperate attempts go nowhere. Um, and then we're introduced to Simon, his younger brother, who uh, I believe his mother actually seems like unfortunately passed away giving birth to him. So that kind of um, sets the scene for their childhood wasn't easy. They kind of, um, you know, grouped together. The two brothers were really good friends. Um, and we just see um, Simon kind of taking care of Jesse, trying to help him as much as he can because of a person with a disability back then could not have been easy. Um, and as we will see that as the story uh, continues with the future of Jesse. It it's also you also see with Simon being the younger brother, you see Jesse taking care of Simon uh, for the first couple of years of his life when Simon was just little. Yes, he could ask, could actually hold him and take care of him. But as they grew up, you see how it's difference where the difference where one is taking care of the other, and that's interesting to see. Yes, and that there comes a point where Simon decides to leave them, 
And he leaves them thinking that that's the only way to get Jesse healed because of what we just talked about, the Celts and their belief, how they believe the Bible. They believe in the Hebrew Bible that was their Bible. And he goes and joins that group of believers thinking that that's the only way the Messiah is going to come through uh, through fighting, you know, through killing. And so we see him leave uh, probably as a teenager or an early young adult. And then we see we see Jesse then in turn losing his older brother that was taking care of him. And we see how hard that becomes to him and how he ends up in the bad place where we later on see him uh, in, an, in an awful spot that he's trying to get into the pool. And, and then we see them interact again. But do you want to you want to talk about the pool experience that you saw, Haley? Absolutely. So the most touching scene for me is the pool scene. And I did a little research. This is the pool of Bethesda. Um, we do know that um, in the episode they mentioned it's a pagan belief there. Um, so we think people of faith really shouldn't be there necessarily. But of course, Jesse is there. And we see that he's been there for a very long time. Um, he's surrounded by other people with um, disabilities or injuries. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, David and I talked about this when we were watching that in those times, um, the medical care was not as advanced as it is today. And so my question was, why are there so many people around this pool? Mm -hmm. But it really makes sense because they didn't have the treatments and the healing that we can have today. And so that really stood out to me that the reason all of those people were so desperate for healing was they simply couldn't be healed. And so we see this pool and every day, um, you know, tons of people are laying around it and the water bubbles up the same time every day. And the rumor or story is that maybe angels are causing the water to bubble up and the first person to enter the pool is going to be healed. So we see Jesse desperately trying day after day for years. I think he mentioned he'd been there for 25 years, which is hard to even fathom. Um, but we see him over and over going back because he did have hope for healing. And that's one thing that really stands out to me is that Jesse never gave up. Um, we just will see um, in a few minutes that it's actually the wrong type of healing. He was looking for physical healing, um, but Jesus will come in and give him the ultimate healing. So very touching scene there. You know, there's an interesting word. You said desperation. John Mark, uh, I feel like you have, you know, my friend, you've had a lot of experiences in life. You you could talk to us about desperation, I think, right? Yeah, I think when people are hurting, they just... I just want to feel better. Right? I just want to feel normal. They want to feel whole. And we're desperate to find that, whether it's a grief we're feeling inside or whether it's a physical disability of some sort or whether it's a chronic disease. We, we just want to find some way to overcome this. We want to find some way to deal with this. And so Jesse at the pool is desperate. And... Simon is desperate as well. He's desperate for his brother. He wants to find a way for his brother to be healed. And he knows the scripture. He knows Zephaniah chapter 3. That when the Messiah comes, when Israel is restored, that God, through the Messiah, will liberate the oppressed and will heal the lame. That's the key, right? Simon is a zealot because he wants his brother to be healed. And I think it's really interesting how the Chosen creates that backstory for us. 
Of course, there's nothing in Scripture about Simon's backstory or a brother or that the one who's healed in John 5 is the brother of Simon the Zealot. The Bible doesn't say that. But the chosen brings those two threads together in order to create a narrative in which we can enter, where Haley can, can experience that, that, that sense of sympathy and empathy for, for Jesse and the desperation, where we can experience the kind of, of uh, impulse that is a violent impulse and why it's there. So it's the creativity of, of the chosen. We don't want to mistake that as actually what the Bible actually says. No. But the themes that are embedded in those two stories and the way they connect do read some biblical truths, some biblical themes that are very helpful and a way for us to enter that narrative in a more a profound way, it seems to me. Yeah, you really highlighted something that you just made me think of. Uh, there's a there's a comparison and there's a contrast. You know, you're talking about the desperation, and Haley mentioned several times the lack of medical care. You know, Jesse couldn't just pop some Aleve or some ibuprofen and feel better, right? And it's interesting that what John Mark just said has two it went two different ways with me. One is the desperation of almost snake oil, you know, like try anything to get well. Yet you reminded us from the Zephaniah text that both brothers knew that the Messiah would come when those type of healings happened. So even putting the trust or the hope into the pool is a little weird because that's not the Messiah. That's just a desperation thing to try anything, right? And maybe it'll work. So I wonder when when Jesse later sees, I'm sorry, when, when Simon later sees Jesse, does it click that the Messiah's here, or does it click that some crazy thing that everybody believed in actually worked? We don't know. And to your point, uh, one more thing that you made me think of is that, yes, the Bible doesn't give us these backstories. It does tell us that Jesse did try multiple times, which then the chosen... Yeah dramatizes and shows us those failed attempts, which I think is nice for biblical imagination. And the other thing that's interesting is that I think what they did is they built these stories for how these apostles end up called. And it's an interesting thing that if Simon Z is called because he's connected to a brother who was healed, then, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but it sure does make a nice story for how these people intertwined their lives with Jesus uh, through these other connections, like a brother or a paralytic being let down through the roof or whatever it was. Well, and, and Zephaniah is not, Zephaniah 3 is not quoted in the Gospels, but I think it is quite appropriate for the telling of the story of Christ to connect the Gospels with Zephaniah 3. And you remember, that's where Simon is. He's at the temple. Before he, before he goes on his uh, assassination attempt, he goes to the temple to worship, and he hears the reading of Zephaniah, which is a reading that many think what took place at the Feast of Tabernacles, that that would be one of the texts that would be read at the Feast of Tabernacles. And he hears that when the Messiah comes, the lame will be healed. And that's when he decides to go visit his brother before he 
or he takes off on this assassination attempt because he knows he might not survive that. So he goes to see his brother. And that's where, you know, that note he wrote earlier when he, was, when he was a teenager. But in this moment, he tells his brother, Jesse, when I see the lame walk, when I see you walk, then I will know the Messiah has come. And that sets us up for what happens next. Yeah, and you make me think too, John Mark, about you know using that term tabernacle, and how Emmanuel, Jesus' name, God with us, but God with us in a way that's even more grandiose than any way God's been with us in the previous history. You know, he he came and well, but after the garden, he came and filled the tabernacle with his presence. He filled the temple with his presence, but he tabernacled according to John in Jesus of Nazareth, and so. There's God with us in human form, and it's got to be it's got to be just mind blowing to someone like Simon. That's why I was saying a while ago. I'm not sure they they didn't do this. I'm just thinking through the episode. I'm not sure that he instantly went to well. The Messiah must be here because I see my brother walking. But the way you just phrased it, I think you're right. I think that has to be what he thought because I don't think he put any stock in the bubbling up of the pool or the stirring of the water being anything that would have caused that to happen. So he'd already dismissed that per David's comments about that's why he goes and joins the zealots to try to force some way to help his brother. But it's the Messiah coming who actually causes his brother to walk. And then Jesse abandons his assassination attempt, which is, it again, story and plot building, to the great chagrin of Atticus, who was ready to catch him red-handed, and then nothing nothing actually goes forward. So let's back up a little bit. And Haley, would you talk about, from your perspective, that scene at the pool where Jesus heals uh, Jesse? And then, David, could you then pick up on the scene of where Simon sees Jesse, ultimately? And let's connect those stories together. Yeah, I'll share um, my perspective and happy to have y'all jump in what stood out to you. This was one of the most touching scenes I've seen in The Chosen. Um, I did get emotional um, because you do see the desperation in Jesse um, and you just see a very broken person that's had a very difficult life. Um, so Jesus approach. Um, he does have some of his followers with him. Um, and I believe this is on the Sabbath day. Um, so that does create some issues uh, as we move forward. Um, but you see Jesus kneel down uh, to a very broken person. And I felt that Jesus could feel the pain of Jesse. You could see in Jesus's eyes that he really just had that empathy and that feeling of you are a very person that, and I believe he said, you've had a bad day for a very long time. Um, and I think that's very true that he's lived. I think he said 38 years um, as a crippled person, basically just laying by the pool um, because that's all they could do in their life. Um, and Jesus bent down and just said, do you want to be healed? And at first, Jesse was feeling like he meant, you know, are you going to carry me to the pool? Are you going to take me to the water? And Jesus quickly um, made him understand that, no, my healing is much deeper um, and you will truly be healed. So the interaction was brief, but Jesus basically just said, if you want to be healed, get up and walk. Um, and we see Jesse starting to have feeling in his legs and excitement in his face um, and actually down and then just kind of jump up and start walking. 
and you can see his friends are at the pool that have been there with him for a while looking shocked and surprised. You see the followers of Jesus also in, in awe of what's happening. And we also see um, some Pharisees wondering what the excitement is. Um, and so the whole scene was just full of excitement and joy and goodness, really showed the power of Jesus. Um, as soon as Jesus heals uh, Jesse, we do see Jesus leave kind of abruptly. And I believe that's because uh, the Pharisees were there and they were kind of questioning what was going on, but um, a very passionate scene. Um, I'd love to hear what you all took from that scene as well. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing up the Sabbath and the Pharisees, because that's really important part of that scene, especially in the Gospel of John chapter five. Uh, and I think keeping Zephaniah in our minds still, that the Feast of his Tabernacles, the reading Zephaniah, excuse me, Zephaniah three, and Everybody knows that story. Everybody knows that promise in the Hebrew prophets. And here is a guy who gets up and walks, who's been at that pool for years. And those Pharisees know that. And they see him get up and walk, and they wonder what's going on. But they're, they're, they're focused on the wrong thing. They're focused on the, on the Sabbath oral tradition rather than the fulfillment of a prophecy that announces the Messiah. They got blinders on. They're so, they're so caught up in the law that they can't see the humanity of this person who's just been healed, and they can't see the meaning of it. But Jesse saw it, and saw it. And that's where we come to the story that David is going to complete for us. And when Simon and Jesse that, see each other. That's right. Because Jesus, and just going back to that scene, Jesus told Jesse to take up your mat, mat and walk. And the Pharisees were focused on him carrying a mat on the Sabbath rather than Jesus healing Jesse because apparently they thought it was a magic trick and that Jesse were paralyzed that he just faked it for 38 years. Right? That's, that's what was going on in their mind. But yeah. before we see Simon seeing Jesse walk, we also saw Simon at the pool being disappointed at his brother for believing that. And Stan, that's why I think Simon knew immediately that it was Jesus, that it was the Messiah. Because at the pool, he was telling his brother, how could you be here? What is going on in your mind? You're desperate. This is, this is not right. And then he goes on to do what he believes it's right, to become an assessing. I think Jesse says, but killing people is right. It's kind of like a, a, an interaction between the two of them. And then he goes to do his own thing, getting ready, to assessing the wrong man because Atticus was pretending to be the governor. And immediately, well, that when that's about to happen, he raises up his head. He's who? He sees his brother Jesse walk by. And he knew. He knew because the letter said from 15 or 20 years ago, the letter said, the day I see you walk on two feet, I will know the Messiah has come. And immediately he got up and went to his brother. And I think the interaction shows Simon asking Jesse, who did this? And, and Jesse just pointed out probably where Jesus walked out of. You know, he went that way or, or whatever. And so that's how that's how we see them reconnect just a few minutes later, or I guess that afternoon from what it seemed in the scene. But we see Jesus do two things. He healed Jesse, but he also prevented Simon from getting murdered because Atticus was just going to kill him on the spot. That was the plan that the, the Roman guard was having. And so I think it's just interesting how one miracle affected, obviously, those two lives 
very importantly, but how it, it impacts our lives as well. Yeah, I really, I think about yeah. Haley. I think about Haley talking about how emotional the that episode was. And David, you just did something in your description. You know, we all believe God is fully in control and nothing happens by happenstance, right? And so I'm remembering that scene where Jesse rolls up his map, his mat, and he could have walked out in who knows how many directions from that pool. But he happens to walk to where Simon Z sees him. And that's that's a Holy Spirit moment. That's like if he'd walked a different way, uh, Jesse might not have seen him and wouldn't have stopped the whole scene. And, and The Chosen doesn't really tell you that, but I think that's a nonverbal part of the script for believers is that, ah, Jesse walks by kind of bewildered, actually, carrying his mat, and people are bumping into him and whatever, and yet Simon sees him and then instantly changes his entire trajectory forward. Yeah, you notice that Simon doesn't hang out with his brother afterwards. You know, you would think in that moment, say, hey, let's go get supper. Or let's hang out for a couple of weeks. Or, you know, let's, wow, this is great. Let's celebrate. But he actually leaves Jesse and goes to find Jesus. It's, it's like, it's like the, the pattern of the disciples leaving everything to follow Jesus. And Simon does that even with his brother. And perhaps his brother would encourage him to do that because they both know the Messiah has arrived. And all of that's happening in the context of the Feast of Tabernacles. And we have this scene where the disciples are sitting under in their booth at a long table, eating the festival meal, the festive meal together, celebrating uh, the memory of the wilderness and the future to come. But there's a part of that future to come that is disturbing to the disciples. And if you think about what Zechariah 14 says, the disciples bring this up at the table. We're going to eat with the Gentiles. The Gentiles are going to eat at the Feast of Tabernacles in the future. We're going to sit at the same table with them. That doesn't fit their view of the kingdom, which is about liberation from oppression by violence or by overthrowing the Roman government or, you know, establishing the kingdom by, by our own hands here in the world. And the Romans are going to be excluded. They're not going to be included. So what are we supposed to do with Zechariah 14? They ask Jesus. And, and Jesus' response is, things will be different. It's going to be different. It reminds me of that scene in, 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 in uh, season one. Used to different. You used to different. Things are going to be different. Yeah. You know, you, you told us a while ago uh, about the Pharisees focusing on the wrong thing, not the fulfillment of prophecy, but the, but the oral tradition. And I think, I think it's amazing the parallel you just went through right there. Here, here, as David said, they know the Old Testament, they know the Hebrew Bible so well, and yet, like all of us broken people, you can use Scripture the wrong way. They are asking Jesus, you know, they didn't, they didn't go 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They shouldn't sit at the table with us, but they're forgetting that the call to Abraham was for the sake of the nations. It was always to include everybody who's in Yahweh, who's in God, and they forgot that part because they're focusing on themselves. So 
in a strange way, you can be a scholar of Scripture and misappropriate it uh, multiple ways, as we see through the biblical mm-hmm. narrative. Yeah, and what something Haley said earlier reminded me of, of that line from Jesus at that table when they said, uh, well, they, went, they weren't in the wilderness with us. And you remember what Jesus' response was? There are different kinds of wilderness, and everybody goes to the wilderness. And everybody will be able to sit at that table because everybody will have had a wilderness. Everybody will have the promise to sit at the table with Jesus in the kingdom of God. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Thank you for joining us. Tonight.